True Crime Podcast. Remember, all of our episodes are intended for mature audiences. Episodes may contain descriptions of various crimes, including, but not limited to, murders, sexual assaults, rapes, missing persons cases, and more. In addition, if we are discussing any cases in which any criminal perpetrators have not yet been convicted of any crimes, everything that we say or discuss is alleged and is intended to be viewed in that manner. Don't forget to rate and review us on anywhere that podcasts are heard, and visit our website at com to learn more about our podcast, suggest cases, become a guest speaker, and more. Again, that's spelled B-A-R-B-A-R-O-U-S, truecrime.com. Now, if you're ready, welcome to the dark side. I'm being charged with a crime. I would like to talk to somebody. It's about a crime. <laughs> <laughs> You're entering the world of barbarous, savagely cruel, exceedingly brutal. Due to mature subject matter, viewer discretion is advised. Hi, barbarians, and welcome to another episode of the Barbarous Podcast. Today's episode will be a guest speaker exclusive episode where we will be covering the case of Stacy Colbert. Stacy was murdered in her Columbus, Ohio apartment just a few months after graduating from Ohio State University. Her upstairs neighbors heard her screaming for help, but did nothing because one of them had unpaid parking tickets. 25 years later, her case remains unsolved and her murderer is still likely on the loose and a threat to the public. In today's episode, I'm super excited to be joined by and welcome Paula Shoup and Heather, who are two close friends and former sorority sisters of Stacy, as well as Danielle, Stacy's older sister, to the podcast to tell and raise awareness of Stacy's story. Hi, my name is Paula. I was one of Stacy's sorority sisters, and um, it was such a privilege and a pleasure to have her in my life. But before we can get to where I met Stacy, I would actually like to turn the floor over to Danielle, who is Stacy's big sister. And let's start at the very beginning. Thanks, Paula. Um, so my name is Danielle Nussbaum. Stacy and I um, are sisters. She is two years and three months younger than I am, and we had the most amazing childhood. She was um, this little ball of energy, and she had this life and this smile and this creativity that was pretty amazing. And um, her life, uh, my parents provided a fun and safe environment for us growing up. We were allowed to explore and allowed to be who we were. And when we got into school, elementary school, and she was this little, you know, brown, blonde, brown-eyed girl for really up until high school. And, um, you know, she went through in elementary school some trials and tribulations. And um, she would not be happy about me revealing, but she had a, a learning disability. She had some challenges with school. With She had this very interesting muscle condition where she was one out of, 
I don't know how many, I don't remember what the stat is off the top of my head, that could keep her eyes from being crossed. But it took her a lot more energy to be able to keep her eyes from being crossed. And she was one, she could do it herself because she, she worked on that muscle control, but it made her tired. And so in elementary school, that took a toll when you've got those tests and things. And so she needed just a little bit more time to be able to work on things. And she never wanted to admit that, you know, it held her back and she refused to let it hold her back. And she refused to admit that it was an issue for her, any challenge. She was like, I can do this. I don't need anything. I, I've got this. I can, I can overcome this. And my mind, and back then we didn't have the supports that some of our schools really have today. And so my mom was this huge advocate uh, for her. And, um, she ended up switching schools and in elementary school, they all separate and then they all feed together and in, in um, um, middle school and then together to the high school. And throughout her younger days, um, she didn't let it hold her back. It, but when she went to college, she finally said, okay, you know what, maybe I will need some extra help in, in, in doing there. And so, you know, she finally admitted that maybe, you know, having the tools isn't necessarily a bad thing to, to be able to, to help um, make college life a little bit easier. So let me step back. In, in high school, she was very, well, even before then, she was a very active young lady. She was involved in softball. She did track. Um, she, in elementary school, she got second place and won a helicopter ride. Uh, for for running, I forget how long that the the race was, which was amazing. As she was in sports, she was very very athletic, and I was more into dance and things that were and singing and show choir and things like that. So, when we got to high school, she ended up being on the cheerleading team, and I was in our our drill team, and of course show choir, and and she was in tennis. And um, she, she was very active and very outspoken and a big advocate and a big proponent of all of her, her friends and her ideals. The creativity side came in when in, in celebrations, she had the best parties. We had this this app called Print Shop and she would make these amazing little invitations and we had she had one party where everybody she assigned everybody a, a character and it was like a mystery and at the end you had to figure out who done it and she had she she coordinated um rides and had a um scavenger hunt through the town we were all paired together and she had this all organized and everybody had a color and everybody had a team and she was very thoughtful and intentional about that and and in high school uh she was very you know, very intentional about how she would get to the next step in her life. She took on uh, internships. And even even at that young age, she ended up doing something what we call co-op, where she would go to school part of the day and, and work part of the day because she had certain, um, you know, tastes. She wanted certain jeans and certain style. She had style. I had friends come over to tell me how to dress. I mean, she was, <laughs> I was, uh, she, it was, it was great. I didn't care about, I'm like data back behind the scenes. And she was, you know, hey, Danielle, you should think about stuff, you know, <laughs> makeup and clothes. They, they, you know, you should probably match every once in a while. Um, and, uh, she would, she would pull fun pranks on me. Like, 
go into my room and t turn all of my every other stuffed animal upside down or you know once she saran wrapped uh my toilet and you know i mean just just fun stuff i mean of course at the time that one didn't make me happy but looking back now it was kind of hysterical um and nothing was hurt in the, the process and and i looked before i leap so that was fine um so you know she got through school and I went on to Ohio State. My dad went to Ohio State. Ohio State was one of our big family schools. And because of her struggles, she, you know, she was a little bit unsure that she would get there. And she chose to do community college for a semester. And, and I worked on her hard to come to, to college. I'm like, you know, I, they, they offer so much. They, they have a lot of supporting systems. You're very intelligent, even though, you know, you, you had to work very hard and, and you're doing great things. Just, you know, you know, fill out the paperwork, just try, you, you can do this. And so she got in, she got late admittance into Ohio state. She started, you know, one, one court back then they were on the quarter system late. I, you know, I'm like, okay, here's how you, you know, here's what you do to fill out the forms. And, um, so she got to Ohio state and, I, um, I had been in a sorority and I had met a lot, us not knowing too many people. We were from this very small town in Illinois. I, I strongly suggested that she become, or at least try the Greek system. It was, you know, a very good place to meet a lot of, a lot of really great people. And, um, so, and I did it to start because I didn't even think about it. I didn't know my, my mom wasn't Greek. My dad, my dad was, was a part of a fraternity, but I, I chose to do it because you got early move in and, and the thought of moving in with 60 plus thousand other kids was a little daunting for a, a kid whose town was probably 10,000 people altogether. And, um, but you know, my experience two years later, I'm like, hey, I met some amazing people. It made this place smaller. And so she um, she did. I wasn't sure if she was going to, but she did choose to to um, go through Rush. And uh, I'm going to let Paula. Uh, I'm going to stop there. All right. So when Stacy went through Rush, I didn't actually get to meet any of the girls that were pledging our house. I had a behind the scenes role. Um, and so I heard all these great things about all these girls that we were hoping would join our house. And of course, you know, the competition is fierce. Some of them aren't going to stay. Um, but you know, I heard a lot of things about the girls that everybody wanted. And then finally bid day came and the girls accepted their bids. And we happened to have, it was called a TG is what we called our Friday night parties where we would get together with be one sorority house, one fraternity house. Um, and of course, TG was for like, thank God it's Friday. And um, so I went to the party to get to meet the new girls and I was standing by the window and the very first pledge that I met was this absolutely darling little girl. First of all, I liked her because she was shorter than me. Not many people are. And she had this big, beautiful, friendly smile. And she came up and introduced herself. And she said her name was Stacy. And I introduced myself as Paula. And we got to talking. We had some things in common because I also started at Ohio State um, winter quarter of the previous year. I was a year ahead of Stacy. And uh, some other things in common. And uh, they were playing some great music at this party, cheesy 80s music, which is what Stacy and I loved. 
and we started talking about all the songs that we liked and we started talking about current songs and um, there was this song by Sheryl Crow, All I Want to Do. And I was like, wouldn't it be great if he played that? And she said, oh, she really liked that song too. And so we looked over at the DJ and he was super cute and I didn't want to approach him and she didn't either. So I jokingly said to her something along the lines of, you know, don't make me haze you. You're trying to join the house. And she laughed. She knew it was a joke um, because our house didn't believe in hazing. We just didn't do that. And so she, she rolled her eyes at me and kind of slumped her shoulders down and did this funny little walk half, about halfway to the DJ. Now, when she got closer to him, she straightened up. She was a little smoother on her approach. And um, she asked him to play the song. And she came back to me and told me that I owed her. And I said, I did not owe her. And, and uh, a few songs later, he played All I Want to Do by Sheryl Crow. And we danced and laughed. Um, we laughed about that for quite some time. It was an inside joke between her and I for a while. Um, we were very good friends. Stacy uh, was in my wedding. Um, when I got married in September of 1997. But before we get to that, I'm going to back up because we've got someone really special with us today. We've got Heather, um, who was a friend of Stacy's. Um, and this is the very first time Heather has gotten to tell about what she knew about Stacy. Hi, uh, my name is Heather, and I actually met Stacy um, my freshman year at Ohio State. A uh, similar story, I think, to what was been shared previously. Uh, I I wanted to rush a sorority because I wanted to move into uh, the dorm sooner. And I remember going and being completely overwhelmed and going into house after house and just meeting a ton of people. And um, I, I think there were over 30 houses or something silly at that time. And uh, I remember going into the 80 pie house and being blown away by the fact that I felt like the women that I met there were true people. And what really stuck with me was um, a lot of the conversations, but there had been a, another um, member of the house that I think had been killed in a car accident maybe a year or two previously, and they had an eternity candle lit for her. And when I asked about her, just the the conversations and the, the, um, the true friendship that I witnessed there, um, it made me know that I'd found a home and that's where I wanted to be. And that's where I met Stacy. Um, Stacy was a year ahead of me. Um, and I believe she was living in the house my freshman year. And uh, as a freshman, when you go through initiation, you do spend a lot of time in the house. Um, we did go to a lot of parties. We'd meet there. We'd get ready. We'd go. What I would say about Stacy and I in particular is she had a love for dancing, and so did I. So when no one else would dance, the two of us would be dancing. <laughs> and she, um, when I think of her, I can see her with her head back, spinning around, her arms out, and just laughing. And really, she had a true love for life. And um, the following year, we were both in the sorority house. I think she lived upstairs from me. I, um, we, there's lots of little groups, I would say, within uh, any large group of women. Um, so uh, there were four girls in my room, and I think she had a couple others in hers. But we would always all get together to go to wherever was happening over the weekend. Um, I remember walking to more than a few of our share of TGs and um, just house parties. And uh, one thing that I also really appreciate about Stacy is... Um, her sister mentioned the fact that she was really a, a hard worker and that she really knew what she wanted. Um, the same could not be said for myself at that point in my life. I was a little bit um, footloose and fancy free. And I remember I had a class with Stacy, and it was a poli-sci class. 
And um, I had enjoyed myself a little too much the night before and skipped the class. And when I saw her later, I asked if I could get her notes. And she said, well, why didn't you go to class? She goes, you don't need my notes. You're like, why, do you, why didn't you go to class? And I said, well, I was out a little bit too late last night. She goes, well, maybe you shouldn't do that. <laughs> and, um, you know, all in all, it's not that she wasn't going to help me. That wasn't it. It was more that she was trying to help me in a better sense and saying, hey, you can do this. You need to, to pay attention to what's going on. And um, Stacy was a lot of fun. And she also was very good at um, gently holding people accountable and, and saying what needed to be said. She was very true to herself. All right, let's see here. So, uh, so like I was saying, the last time that I ever saw Stacy was at my wedding in 1997, um, mm. because I was a crap friend, and I, I mean, I was just starting off my marriage, and I neglected my friendships. Um, so, uh, if I could turn back time, I would definitely do things very, very differently, but I can't. Uh, and so I was celebrating my 24th birthday when the phone in the kitchen rang. Uh, my parents were over, my husband was there, and I answered the phone, and it was another 80 pie um, who was my age calling to ask if I'd seen or heard from Stacy recently. And I told her that I hadn't, and um, she said no one had heard from Stacy in a couple of days. So I was kind of distracted by what was going on, and probably, I don't know, I think maybe just an instant state of shock. I don't know. I just, I didn't take it as seriously as I probably should have in that moment. And so I said, well, you know what? We had, we had another mutual friend who lived out on the East Coast and she had seen Stacy a couple of weeks before and, and she had told me that Stacy was planning to go out there. And so I'm thinking it's spring break, um, even though Stacy had graduated college, maybe she had other friends that were doing spring break and maybe they decided to go out and visit this other friend. I'm like, I'm sure everything's fine. I'm sure it's a misunderstanding. So, you know, we ended the phone call. And then a few minutes later, uh, the phone rang again. And it was a detective from the Columbus Police Department. Uh, and that's when I knew um, everything was not okay. This was not a misunderstanding. Something was horribly wrong. And uh, I'm going to let Danielle take it from here. Thanks, Paula. And I'm going to go back a little bit to college. Um, Stacy was probably one of the hardest workers that I have ever met. She, she lived her life with joy and intention. She secured two internships while she was in two amazing internships. One, she worked for the Atlanta Apparel Mart and at that point, because she had considered going into clothing and design and working with models. And after that internship, she decided that maybe working with models wasn't necessarily the path she wanted to follow. Um, then then um, in 96, she got an amazing internship with the with the Olympics. She got to she partnered with uh, with McDonald's and got to work Sports Village and got to to do a lot of things with her major, which was marketing and, and logistics. And it was probably some of the most amazing things that she got to participate in. And that's when it was in Atlanta in 96. My parents had moved to Atlanta uh, when we were in, in college. And so that was 
pretty amazing, amazing, amazing time. She got to go to like the opening and the closing and, and uh, I would tease her because, you know, she, she did all the stuff with the Olympics and she's like, oh, did you want something here? Have my work shirt. <laughs> I was looking for a pin and she's like, here's my work shirt. You, here, here you go, Danielle. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> um, so I still laugh about that. And uh, she ended up graduating from school with uh, marketing and logistics and um she worked she ended up going and working in for AEP marketing and that that December after she graduated just now we're talking um in December of 97 and she had gotten to go to to dinner and she was um happened to be put next to the president I'll come back to this, but, you know, she made a very huge impression on him. And that, that winter, she and I also, for a family gift for the holidays, was probably our last real picture together. Because back then it was, you have your flip phones, you didn't have the cameras that you have today. And I had us take a, a family, like a picture of just us two, and a card for, for the family. And that was the last time we had a, 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 a picture together. It was really our last big argument, to be honest, because, you know, we were supposed to divide the work. And um, <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, here's the stamps. Here's the envelopes. Just address them and send them out. And uh, that picture happens to be the one that's on um, Finishing Stacy's Fights post. It happens to be the one that we used for the flyers uh, to, to try to find her when all of this, when, when she went missing. And so, you know, just a few months later, February was her, was her birthday. And I took her to Titanic for her birthday. And this is in, in February of 98. And, um, just a couple weeks after that, she had moved apartments. She'd lived in, uh, Westerville, I believe, somewhere around there, and just a little studio apartment, and she moved to Governor Square. A uh, friend of hers helped her her move over there, and I, of course, helped. And um, which she moved into apartment that was one or two point one miles from door to door. Of course, I always I'm in stats and data, so I'm always you know good for the for the numbers, and um. So we, uh, we moved and, um, or she moved. And, um, so in that, like right before that we went to Titanic, we, we had kind of discussed alternate beliefs on what the ending meant. And actually it was kind of between my mom, my sister and I for that ending. But that kind of leads us into the night of, um, when I found out, so she had talked about working with, with AEP marketing. She was talking about, she was drafting this marketing plan and she was talking about flying to New York, uh, to discuss her marketing plan and a couple other places. She had talked about Mexico. She talked about a couple other places that they were considering, but I thought she was pretty close to moving to New York or not moving going there for a presentation or some research or a meeting or something. And, you know, she and my mom and I always watched the uh, Oscars together. And that Sunday uh, before the 20, I want to say the 22nd, um, she 
wasn't answering her phone so every time titanic was up for award i would call hey did you see this person got it and look this person got it and oh we saw this movie you know i probably left god 80 messages on her machine and my and when i wasn't leaving a message my mom was probably leaving a message on her voicemail back in the day when we actually had machines and um so i thought well maybe she wasn't calling or answering because she wasn't she was flying to to new york and um so i hadn't heard anything back on monday on tuesday I, I worked at nationwide at that point and i had just gotten home it was probably around 4 30 and i saw there was a light on my phone and um i was i don't know i just got this feeling when i saw it and you know i i rushed to see uh what it was i mean well i went to the bathroom and then i got to the light and um it was stacy's work aep calling that she hadn't shown up for two days i kind of dropped to my knees and i'm like oh my god she this is not her she would there was not there's nothing that could possible that could possibly take her from work that could turn out good i i just she was so dedicated to work and excited and 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 i just can't tell you what a trust trusting a a loyal a worker bee that she was that i i like she was going in at five o'clock in the morning she was she was just so dedicated to her to to doing well and succeeding and 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 doing being of going above and beyond that i knew something terribly wrong uh, happened just from that call and so i called my parents i called my dad and mom and i'm and they were in atlanta at the time and i'm like mom dad something something's going on i i don't know what to do and i'm going over to our apartment i need to call my i i i think something terrible has happened and and they're like you know calm down calm down it's okay just go and so i dropped everything and i and i just zoomed over to her apartment and when i got there um her car was out in front the door was open was a like it was closed but open it was not like it wasn't attached in the door jam it was i mean it was slightly ajar and i i thought that was odd and i went in and um i mean all of her stuff her belongings were there things that that you know that you don't even think of like everything her wallet her purse everything was in that apartment i i called as soon as i got there the fridge was open there was pizza on the counter, cheese sticks on the counter. The refrigerator was open. Um, you know, it it was definitely, um, you know, it it looked like maybe she had gone to the bathroom and was gonna get ready to come back out, right? Except for it's a one bedroom apartment and she's not there. Um, so I called nine one one and um, they came. The Columbus police came to the apartment and started looking through the the stuff and you know my major was criminology and i'm like they're like well could you go through her stuff i'm like i don't want to touch it <laughs> i'm like i think i don't want to touch it i don't want to contaminate anything um you know because i know that those first 48 hours are so critical and and i knew i i just knew and so i was there probably most of the night i i my uncle was still in town and alive at that point and he came over and his son who is on the fire department he came over and 
So I got to talk to the, um, the uh, I don't know, sexual crimes uh, detect the detectives. Um, they sat down and, and kind of went through everything with me and I re-explained everything that I knew. Um, you know, they, they gave me her, her address book to start calling because she was 23. She just turned 23. And so with that, you have to wait, you had to wait 48 hours before they could even declare her as a, a missing person. So I was allowed to, to do that and try to contact every person that I knew from that. Got some weird reactions from a couple of people or from one person on the list. They refused to take my call, which was kind of interesting. I'm trying to think. So, you know, that night was kind of a blur. I, I believe it was probably two o'clock in the morning before I got back to my little one bedroom uh, apartment. So that began the kickoff. And then like I have blank spots and at some point my my job and AEP and, and Paula and team formed this this uh, recognizance. I, I don't even know, like campaigns only to help me post flyers to 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 everything. And um, I believe that was the first week I held my first news conference on that Friday following. They, they wanted to keep everything quiet, they being the police until that fr Friday for evidence gathering and things like that. I, I, you know, I don't know exactly the reason why they didn't want to announce right away after they decided, you know, after evaluating the apartment and, you know, thinking that it, that it was a, a missing endangered person at that point, they had been convinced that something, something had happened to her that should, that probably not, not good. And, um, so the, um, on Friday at the news conference is when I announced she was missing and we had a, a an amazing vigil on, on campus. We had someone, um, one of the the legislators came to her vigil. There was over 5,000 people there from my understanding. I had some incredible support there. I, I don't know what I would have done without Paula and, and, and the whole sorority. They, they, they came in like like with with everything they had to try to help me find her to try to find her and um they've they've kept me going through these through the years and um so you know i probably was taking over a hundred calls a day uh we used to my mom and i would would kind of bet on how many calls came through the antiquated voicemail i don't know if there's a limit to how many calls could come in but i, I want to say at the the height was probably 100 150 calls of amazing people trying to help, trying to figure out where she was and hoping for her safe return. My grandparents had offered some money for her safe return. And um, we had uh, Crime Stoppers also offer a reward also for her safe return back, back when it started. So, you know, it, that kept up for quite a while. Um, but you know, after time, uh, it, it became cold. And um, in, in 2004, I um, got a call on my voicemail at work that her, her remains had been found. I'd actually heard a broadcast that someone was found, but they said it was the remains of somebody over 40. But I, 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 for some reason in my brain, I thought this could be it. This could be this could be her. And, you know, honestly, I had to stop listening and, and watching 
the news because, you know, you can only listen to that for so long before it really just, it's hard. This is my sister. This is my baby sister who we've grown up together. I, I was the one to say, hey, make sure your sister, or take your sister with you and your friends, or can you make sure your sister's okay? Well, guess what? I wasn't able to make sure she was okay. Also at uh, the stadium because they were parking Oh, hundreds of people there. I think there was a, if I remember correctly, it was Ohio state or I'm sorry, a, a high school basketball tournament. There were people in from everywhere. So we were charged with others to um, pass out all the flyers there. And our hope was that we could get more people in the state to know that she was missing and that someone would see her somewhere. Um, and that if we got these out there, we would find her. And I, um, I remember very much getting upset when people were like, I don't want that. I'm like, can you just look, just look, have you seen her? And I have such an appreciation for that now. Um, whenever there's uh, anybody, anybody that's missing or anything that's happened, it's like, I always stop and really look at the picture because you never know when you, you might be that person or come across or be that link. I remember going to so many of the the things, but I also don't remember certain things too. And I don't know why that is. It's interesting how the memories are, but I think one of the, the, the things I remember vividly was once we were sitting there, um, I was sitting, I was sitting in a bar one day and, um, I remember seeing that they had found a body and it was not the first time that had happened during that time that she was missing, but that time it did feel different. And when they found out, when I found out it was her, I was so thankful she wasn't missing anymore, but so angry that this is this, that this is how it was it was coming to an end. And I remember thinking how sad it was that where she had been found, like the idea of her being out there for so long, and even if it just it was heartbreaking. And going to the memorial and just seeing everyone that was there, and and Danielle, I think you guys did such a, an amazing job. I remember all of these different parts of Stacy's life, how it was all laid out. And it's so sad to think that at this point, she's been gone longer than she got to live. And we still don't have any answers. I have to say, though, one of the most amazing things that all of her sorority sisters did for her was put together a, um, a brick at the Spirit of Women fountain. And I honestly, on um, her birthday and her disappearance every year. I go there and I have a, I, I go spend a few moments with that brick. Excuse me a second. Well, Paula, one thing that I, I'm trying to remember what I said the first time and um, say is that I do think one thing that came out of it is I think there were many people who knew that Stacy always did everything right. I, I mean, she wasn't perfect. No one's perfect, but she made the right choices. She worked hard. She uh, was good to people. She didn't live a lifestyle that put her in any jeopardy and it didn't guarantee her safety and it didn't guarantee her a long life. And I think there were a lot of others that knew her that we made different choices afterwards and we were smarter afterwards. Not because we, you know, it wasn't her fault. It never was, but we knew that bad things can happen. Um, I mean, I, I got a big, huge, crazy dog when I lived by myself because I, and whenever I went out with anyone, I was constantly giving, 
um, calling friends and saying, I'm going out. I'm actually meeting this person. I won't let them come to my house because I don't want them to know where I live because I don't know if this person is a good person or not. They're, and, you know, if I, you don't hear from me by this time, this is their name and phone number. <laughs> and it's just so um, a different way of thinking about things after you have seen that happen. And she did it. She, she did everything right. I don't and know. I have heard from... Um... The, the, I did talk to the last detective that was working on her case, and he did state, you know, to reiterate what Heather just said and what we have all said, one of the things that made Stacy's case so difficult for the original police and then for Delaware County was that Stacy surrounded herself with good people. Um, she didn't have any kind of secret life. She didn't, she wasn't into drugs at all. She wasn't even hugely into dating culture. I mean, she did have a boyfriend, but she wasn't promiscuous in any way. And that was part of the frustration um, with trying to solve this crime. Um, who around her would have wanted to hurt her and to hurt her like this? Um, which brings us to last fall, for whatever reason, Stacy was just on my mind all the time. Um, I couldn't stop thinking about her. Um, and I, even though I had always thought that a serial killer did this, even though the police, they say it's somebody that she knew. And at this point, I have changed my mind and believed, and I believe that based on, you know, the physical evidence of her letting the person in, there was no forced entry. Just looking at it all with fresh eyes, I am now convinced it was someone she knew. But at that time, I thought her case was unsolvable. But still, I just couldn't stop thinking about her. It was driving me crazy. And so I got together with a friend who was a longtime friend and had been in the sorority with me. And I just said, you know what? I can't stop thinking about Stacy. And she kind of looked at me and she said, I've been having that same problem lately, too. Like, I just it's like she is, um, her words, I think, were that she felt Stacy calling her. Um, and so we decided that it was time to try to do something. It was going to be 25 years in just a few months since Stacy was missing and murdered. And so then that friend reached out to Danielle. And we reached out to some other people because we knew that this was going to take more than two or three people. And so we developed this network called Finishing Stacy's Fight. Um, and we have kind of made sure that we've got a broad presence on all social media platforms. We're even on TikTok now as of a few weeks ago um, because we strongly believe that the person who did this to Stacy is roaming free, living his best life, and um, it's been 25 years. He's told somebody. Someone knows and maybe they've thought that after all of this time, does it really matter? And we, we want to make sure to make it very clear to that person that it does still matter. It's not too late to come forward and do the right thing, but we absolutely need that person to come forward and do the right thing. Um, the police uh, in a former podcast that we did, the detective that was on Stacy's case who recently retired, he said in that podcast that he's pretty confident that the person of interest that they are looking at is responsible for this, but they just don't have enough evidence to convince a jury. And I believe he also said that to Dateline when we did an online article with Dateline. So they, they know who this is, but we need somebody to come forward and do the right thing. Okay, um, first of all, I just want to thank 
Paula, Danielle, and Heather so much for coming on to the podcast. Um, I'd like to end with the specific suspect profile, if you can give any information on who specifically we're looking for, or at least a general profile, as well as the phone number that someone can contact if they do have any additional information, or the police department responsible currently for the case, and any specific social media pages or anything that you'd like to share. Danielle, why don't you go ahead with the profile and then I'll pull up the um, contact information for Delaware. So they do believe it's a male um, and somebody who had a close relationship with her. Yes, the pieces that I know are that he was a male, um, that um, it he he did have a connection to Stacy. She did know him and she knew him. Um, the connection that they had was enough that she would have trusted him that when he came to her door at about three to four in the morning on that early Sunday morning, um, when he knocked, if she had heard his voice, she would have opened the door. She would have trusted him and let him in. Um, and when she did, I don't know what happened there. I don't know any of the details, except that we know that the neighbors upstairs heard her screaming. Um, The police report, they described it as horrifying screams and loud banging, Um, that it was a woman that they heard screaming. They heard Stacy. Um, They did not call the police. Um, uh, The man that heard her screaming couldn't stop thinking about it, so he went down the next day to check on her. Um, He just kind of knocked on the door at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, called out to her. She did not respond, but he did see her cat walking around outside of her apartment. And Stacy's cat was a very small kitten that she had named Boots, a little black and white cat um, that she loved dearly. And she was in an apartment by a very busy street. She would never have let him out. Um, And so when the police did get the call from Danielle to interrogate, he did, he he did um, cooperate fully. We know that he um, did not do this, um, but unfortunately, since he did not call the police, um, the, the, the murderer had 72 hours between when he murdered Stacy and when the police got involved. But if the person listening to this podcast who has any information about this Um, Even if you think it's small and you think it's not important, let the police decide if it's important. Um, We're begging you. The Delaware, Ohio County Sheriff's Department phone number is area code 740-833-2800. And then the um, finishing Stacy's fight, we are on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, X, whatever that's called nowadays, we are there as well. If you're not comfortable calling the police, you can send a direct message to any of those socials. You can even, you know, if you want to create a fake profile to completely um, protect your identity, you can do that. We really just want and need the information. It's been 25 years. It's time to break your silence. All right. So I just want to thank um, Paula, Danielle, and Heather so, so much for coming on to the podcast. And I just want to commend 
everyone who is a part of, you know, finishing Stacey's fight or anyone who's actively working to solve this case. I just think you guys are wonderful people. Um, and Stacey was very lucky to have all of you in her life. Um, and I hope that this episode can gain visibility. And I hope that all of the other measures that you all are taking to help find who did this gains visibility. And hopefully we can find something somehow. And I wish all of you the very best of luck in that journey. But thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you, AJ. We really appreciate your time. And that brings us to the end of this episode of the Barbarous Podcast. Thank you so much for being a loyal listener. And remember, for more information about the podcast, you can visit www.barbaroustruecrime.com. That's spelled B-A-R-B-A-R-O-U-S truecrime.com and our Instagram page at Barbarous True Crime. Until then, I will see all of you beautiful people very, very soon. Stay safe. Peace.